Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Things are looking bleak, but we're choosing to stay optimistic. This is Hogs Night of Podcast. We got Bead Roomba, Neb Neil, Dr. Chris Jones, Brian from Hogshaven, and we have our very first call-in, a special guest. Uh, you probably know him well if you're familiar with Hogshaven. It's the man, the myth, the legend. We have Ken Marangolo joining us this evening. Ken, thanks hey, for... Please, uh, everybody. No, no, please sit down. Everybody, hey, please, everybody, sit down. <laughs> oh, well. How, uh, how how are we feeling tonight, Ken? Um, I I I know that uh, it's it's a young season, but I'm in these seasons where things are starting off rough. It can feel like a long season. Oh, it was. It felt like week seventeen by the second half of opening opening day. Uh, so, but I I come to you in this hour of our bleakness as you as you led the show off with a very important announcement that we're going to take this and run with it on hog saving but your guys are getting the scoop uh i'm officially launching an impeachment inquiry oh. to dan snyder and i think i think i think we have we have what we need evidence evidence wise we need to build the case we need to sell it uh, I think much like its partner companion impeachment process in the real world of politics, it ultimately may not result in any actual real action that matters. But I do believe that it is time for the Washington fan base to impeach Dan Snyder. I think he, the man has completely abused his office for his own personal benefit. I think we are no longer experiencing uh, the the kind of uh, organizational ability um, to the, the, that represents not just what we stand for at this very moment, uh, but what the Washington Redskins franchise has traditionally stood for since its inception, uh, since it was moved here from Boston back in the late 1930s. And and I, I think we're going to hold this man accountable. I, I think it is long since past time. I don't know if all those words go together in that order. But I, I, I think this is our. There's very few actions fans can take. And probably this won't even count as one of them. That, that can actually that actually matter. That actually cause a meaningful change. Um, but we're already 0 and 3, and the, the Patriots are two weeks away. I need something to take 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 my my uh, distract me from this. And so therefore, 
impeachment. Impeachment is underway. We're impeaching the man. Oh, my gosh. That's a, that's a big scoop that you just gave us here. Um, we're joined once again by Ken Marangolo, editor-in-chief. What are you, editor-in-chief, managing editor, head, head honcho? Is that what it is? Uh, yeah, deputy director. Deputy uh, director. Assistant. You know, a, a, a variety of titles. Of Hogs yeah. Haven. Uh, you know him from The Audible. Um, breaking some big news here tonight on Hogs Night of Portcast. Ken, I do appreciate your passion. I think you have the full support of this group here. Um, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. And also, I wanted you to give us a little background of uh, your fandom and what led you to create Hogshaven. Okay, so um, just second question first. I technically didn't create Hogshaven. Um, it was a website created by a guy named Will Allen, uh, who it was a fine Redskins fan in his own right back in the early 2000s. Uh, it was a, uh, he ends up going to law school in 2008, 2009, and around about that time, there was an Oakland Athletics blogger named Tyler Blazinski who had made his uh, cut his teeth interviewing Billy Bean in the Moneyball uh, sure. stuff going on out for the Athletics. Yeah, he developed a little bit of clout, and he decided, wouldn't it be a smart idea to pull together a bunch of websites um, that are, represent each of the major pro teams: baseball, hockey, football, basketball. And Hogs Haven was the Redskins one that he chose. He had been in contact with Will for something or other. Will said, hey, listen, I'm going to law school, but you guys can you know, r- run with this. And so they hired myself and Kevin Ewald to run it uh, back in 2000- January 2009. Kevin has since left. Uh, he left about five years ago. Yeah. Um, and for us, I, I, you know, now to answer the first part of your question first, I think what we created at Hogshaven was a community of fans um, who, who, who gave a crap, you know, who care about the team and football and all of that. Um, but I feel like our, our discourse has risen above, uh, it, you know, what has happened in, during that same exact time period on, on the Internet. So, you know, in the time I've been running Hogshaven, the Internet has become a cesspool of nameless, uh, you know, faithless, um, keyboard muscle bound people who do nothing but uh, degrade and minimalize and marginalize other people that they don't know. And that just happens across the internet, you know, by and large. Sure. And our, our number one goal is not to let Hogshaven become that. And I, can you imagine that we've been successful in that during, like, Arguably, some of the worst times the Washington Redskins franchise has ever seen. Like, if there was ever a time when you would like draw the negativity out uh, from a, a group of people, it would be during this time. And I'm very proud. That's probably like the one thing we're most proud of at Hogshaven. That it's a generally a an above board discourse. Occasionally, it devolves, but for the most part, um, it's fans talking football. Um, pretty good natured in general, and. Um, uh, you know, and, and dedicated to you know staying as positive as possible. Yeah, I mean, well, Ken, as you mentioned, Hogshaven is, I guess, the fans' voice. I don't know how we phrase it. You know, voice of the fan. Um, and as the voice of the fan of the Redskins fan, um, one of the leading voices. I mean, everyone knows you from the Audible and from the Monday Six Pack and from whenever you feel compelled to chime in. Otherwise. Um, ha- 
how what are we supposed to think right now uh how do you feel the redskins fans voice sounds obviously you've you let us off your lodging an impeachment inquiry so not great um but you know like right now things tough start to the season tough end to the decade as it were um yeah what are we what are we supposed to think well i would say we're uh approaching the beginning of another decade potentially mm-hmm. the beginning of getting our voice back you know this whole impeachment inquiry brian is, as, as after all is our effort to put our to make our voice heard um i think the washington redskins fan base is completely downtrodden I, I so um and i was it the other brian who asked me the first question about fandom and yeah that was uh that was dr chris jones dr chris jones the, the doctor yeah. something I've been. I, this is the first year I haven't really gone to games. I almost haven't missed a game at FedEx Field for the better part of 20 years, since 2000, 2001. For a period of time, I was a season ticket holder. Um, I let those season tickets go, and I still managed to never miss a game um, because of the reality of FedEx Field and the uh, abundance of tickets that were always available uh, if you just chose not to listen to the marketing department at, in Redskins Park. Right. Waiting think, t- uh, season ticket waiting list. Worst lie in the franchise. Uh, (laughs) People are waiting. Uh, I will give them that. There is a long line of people waiting um, for something. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I, so, you know, I always like, I always try to remind people in this time, you know, the Redskins were bad then. The Redskins were bad in 2000, 2001. When Fender first took over the team, the Redskins weren't good, they were mediocre at best. Um, he made splashy signings right out of the gate. They're, they weren't um, very competitive uh, in general, and yet FedEx Field was full to the brim, standing room only, 90-plus thousand people, for the most part, the majority of which were Redskins fans, even when the team was bad. You know, what we're, where we are today is on the opposite side of that. Um, somewhere along the way, and people recognize the Monday Night Football game uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2008, I think it was, or no, I'm sorry, uh, about six or seven years ago, maybe it was 2012, when, when you know Pittsburgh took over the FedEx. It, it had been slowly happening. It's, it's obviously fully happened now. Uh, you know, we've been redefining rock bottom as a fan base for quite some time. Just when you think the elevator has reached the bottom floor, you know, it, it, we crash through like multiple sub levels, and I think that's you know once again that's where we are today. And FedEx Field is a miserable, miserable place for Redskins fans. You know, I uh, last year the Giants game where Mark Sanchez started the game with where the Redskins had had kind of a chance still to be playoff eligible. It was by far the low point uh, to date. You know, it's like it's like that scene in Office Space where he's like, "Every day is my worst day." And he's like, "Well, that, does that mean like right now I'm seeing you? Like, it's your worst day?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Oh my god, that, that's terrible." I mean, that's how it is for Redskins fans. Every day is our worst day. It doesn't. It's like it's unbelievable. So I, you know, I think that, um, you know, I want so hard to believe that we are getting to like a bottom, you know, or, or some kind of point where we can only go up. But unfortunately, um, you know the the fish rots from the head, and and that's just that's just been the case. This thing's been happening for a very long time, um, and 
and it's there's just no other way to put it that we are officially, if we haven't already recognized it, looked ourselves in the mirror and said it, we are officially a, a, a professional sports team that is shackled to, to, to terribleness um, by, you know, with, to an owner, to a bad owner. Mm. You know, we are that team now. Uh, it, it, we've been that for a while, but I think this is the realization period that some people are just waking up to finally. Um, and I think we've reached a critical mass there's a depression that's set in. I, I hate to be like Mr. Negative, but I, I also think it's, it's healthy. This is like therapy for us. Right? Admitting is the first step. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, this really is like our worst day. Again, you know, a day, a day after our, our worst day yesterday. And, and this is, this is what, this is what we are. And I don't, you know, nothing that we've done up to this point is going to save us going forward. But it sucks so hard, right? Because I want to believe Dwayne Haskins is going to be a good player, maybe a great player. I want to believe Terry McLaurin, who I love, is going to be a great player. I want to believe that they'll have good days in a Redskins jersey and that we'll get to enjoy those days. But do, do any of you guys do any of you guys see that day coming? Well, we were actually talking about this. We've we spent some time talking about it. That uh, you know we're sort of of a time. Where, you know, there have been a couple of really great memories, but the vast majority of it has just been a deep, vast ocean of of suck. Yes. There's not a whole lot to hang our hat on. I mean, you could probably count on one hand. If we went around the room, we could probably count on one hand the number of really solid memories. Touchdowns? No, <laughs> more, maybe just touchdowns. I mean, Monday Night Miracle, you know, RG3 season... Uh, the fact that I'm having a hard time coming up with a third one is like sign enough that beating Dallas last yeah. year was pretty nice, yeah, but just because we were still in the fight. But but I mean, yeah, Ken, you you said it. You said it. You're right on the mark. I mean, you, you have I think the perspective of a I don't want to call it a multi generational fan, but you've seen this team good, and so oh, yeah. uh, I mean, in in your estimation. Uh, you know, obviously, it's been sort of a slow decline, and there have been some major pain points. But like, do you think that this team can get back to that point where people feel the same way that they used to feel? So, I mean, the you know, if there's even a shred of possibility, then the answer has to be yes. So the answer has to be yes. You know, because it's sports, and you know, cool, awesome things happen in sports. But if you think really hard. We've been using that argument on an annual basis to, to describe how we think the Redskins have a chance to be competitive in each of subsequent seasons. And I don't, I, 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 it's even more depressing to me that I'm transitioning from my annual, we might make the playoffs argument to my once in a generation argument of, uh, maybe this could get better someday. But I, you know, I, but, but the other thing is, that, that's one thing that makes me so sad uh, is because I have vivid memories of, of Super Bowls. You know, I'm 43 years old. I was six years old when we beat the Dolphins. I, I, I barely remembered, but I, I remember the celebration. You know, I remember being in the, around here when it happened. But I also remember regular season games in the 80s. You know, I mean, we, were, we were dominant. We were a dominant team. And I especially remember in 1991, I was a freshman or a sophomore in high school. 
you know, when, when the 91 Redskins became one of the greatest NFL teams of all time, and they sure. really are. No one can take that away from them or, or us. And I think we, we, so we're in our effort to be positive and, and keep the focus on something good. You know, our you know, T and Kevin and I, you know, are, we'll spend time each week just talking about stuff like that, you know, about the act of being a Redskins fan. Um, and, you know, the life, the life of a Redskins fan. You know, no, none, none of you guys and none of us are ready to stop being a Redskins fan. Uh, so, you know, so we're in it. We're not going anywhere. Uh, and it might be a while longer until we have something, you know, really great to cheer on. Um, but I, you know, I can't talk about the Redskins organization returning to that kind of glory without entertaining us the idea that it's possible that Dan Snyder could sell the Washington Redskins. And I think that we are as close today as we have ever been to that being true. And I'm not saying that to like to be like a carnival barker or like to shout things that are just totally ludicrous. Is it likely that Dan Snyder sells the Redskins? No. Probably not. Probably not. But if you look, if you combine a bunch of truths that, that just have to be true, then, then you could at least see where it's possible. For example, the uh, mass exodus, you know, the, the, one, the, the one last gasp that the Redskins made by hiring a really professional, uh, you know, administrative staff, Brian Lefemima and all, and all of his team, right. who came here and what did they do? They started telling the fans the truth. And that felt pretty darn good. Steiner was still the owner, but for a moment it felt like, wait a second, they're not treating us like infants. Like, we can actually see that there's only 10,000 people at FedEx. Of course there's no waiting list. Um, you know, selling single-game tickets, trying, you know, making an effort. That's all you want to see, someone make an effort. Snyder has never made an effort. Um, and so when they left, and then, the you know, Tony Wiley leaving over the last couple of weeks, I don't think people should just ignore that. You know, I've met Tony. Um, I don't know him, you know, super personally, but he's dealt with me. I've dealt with him. Yeah, Fan, uh, he's a friend of the podcast channel. I actually think he's coming back on uh, in, a, in a couple weeks as a, a little bit of a spoiler. Get but some uh, hot takes. Uh, yeah, he um, uh, riled up podcast. Uh, I thought she did a great. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to it, but uh, Tiffany Hoyt yeah. did a really nice interview with Tony a couple about a month and a half ago. Um, but yeah, go on. Sorry, go go on. No, no, I think that it's great. Um, he's. He's 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 been you know in the trenches for a while, so his, his perspective is valuable. Um, you know, but that said, he came in for one reason. He was hired from the Houston Texans front office by Dan Snyder, and he was hired to do one thing: repair the relationship with the Washington Redskins and the Washington press. That was his number one job when he came here. And the first thing he did, you guys may or may not remember this. This was back in 2009, 2010. He sued Dave McKenna. <laughs> What's that? He sued well, Dave, Dave. Sued Dave McKenna. <laughs> well, that was yeah, that was shortly after he gave me and Kevin the only interview that Dan Snyder gave out that year. That's right. Yeah. Uh, we went we went to his office. It was me and Kevin, or Kevin and I, and Dan and Tony, and it was a it was a nice evening. Uh, we we recorded it all. We wrote a couple articles about it, and it it really it went off well for Dan, um, and Tony. You know, for the most part did a halfway decent job in letting and getting Dan to talk about some things like, for example, admitting that he held on to Vinny Serrato for too long or, and admitting that, um, you know, he shouldn't have fired Charlie Casserly. 
you know, not like, you know, mind-blowing things, but things that a lot of people hadn't heard him say. And we got to get him to say that and, and, and go with it. Yeah. Um, but his job transitioned quickly into what people like him end up doing for people like Snyder, and that's being the chief bullet taker. I mean, guys like Snyder insulate themselves with guys like Vinny Serrato, guys like Bruce Allen, guys like Tony Wyland. And there's a reason why you have a job like that for so long if you're willing to stand in front of a guy like Dan Snyder and take bullets. And yeah. that's, to me, that doesn't make him a great whatever he was. Uh, and, and, I, and it ultimately only helped the Washington Redskins organization stay in the funk and perpetuate, you know, the funk. Um, and I think him, him leaving is meaningful. Um, I think the cheerleader episode last off season is meaningful. Yeah. Uh, I think the experience on Sundays is meaningful. And I remember, Dan Snyder's from this area. He grew up a Redskins fan. There is no way he can escape knowing that everybody blames him for what's going on with the Washington Redskins. Yeah. There's no escape. This is his where he came from. He knows exactly what we think of him. And he is isolated. And if he's not depressed by it, then, then he's not human. Um, and to me, it's, it would be the perfect cherry on top of the Dan Snyder Sunday. You know, he has milked this franchise. I, I, I one thing I, I started talking about right away was the monetization of, of our passion, the monetization of our fandom, the monetization of our loyalty. He marketed every penny out of us that he could possibly get, and he got a lot of them. He got a lot of them, and and and, and the, those pennies are gone. And that's why FedEx Field is full of other teams' fans. That's why people like me, who haven't missed a game in almost 20 years, aren't going anymore. And and you and you can feel that when you're at FedEx Field. And that means Dan Snyder can feel that. Now, his billions of dollars can insulate him only so much. Sure. But wouldn't it be great for him, a final middle finger to, to us, you know, to take like a record sale price, you know, for, for a professional sports team and then, and then get out of town? That, that's that's I mean, great. I, I'm yeah. Happy. I love that. <laughs> It's just Whatever it takes. Yeah. <laughs> also, Dan so, Snyder Sunday is the worst Sunday I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, no, Dan Snyder Sunday. <laughs> so, so to your point, to your point with all these departures or, or what might be the start of them, um, at what point, if it's not Dan Snyder leaving, when do you think we might start seeing some changes to the coaching staff? Because I think Dan might stick okay, around so a little yeah, longer than we all hope. Live more in the now, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's talk about like 2019. Sure, it might sure. have to be more realistic, as much as we all disagree. So, but. I've been a Jay Gruden guy. I got no problem with Jay Gruden. I don't think he's our problem, but he's no longer our solution. He's got more chance than anybody Dan Snyder's ever given as a head coach. Uh, and I li- and I think he, he and I thought he deserved it, and I like what he's done. Uh, but it's no longer working. Uh, I don't know when you get rid of him. But I think if our season's going the way it looks like it's going to go, I think it's, he's, he's a, a mid-season firing candidate for sure. And I think you clean house. I mean, I think Bruce Allen, you know, I, I, if you go back and study Vinny Serrato's arc with the Washington Redskins, it was, it was kind of here, gone, here, more here, really, really here, and then gone for good. And I think if you look at Bruce Allen's tenure, we're pretty much almost at that same total length of time um, with the Redskins. And he has gotten those promotions that Vinny got where it's kind of like more and more on Bruce, more and more on Bruce. 
you know, you don't need much more of an excuse to fire Bruce Allen than what's happening right now. That's good news, right? In theory, yeah. <laughs> How about him in smiling theory? when we were down 28 nothing on national television? <laughs> <laughs> He's having a good night. I mean, the guy, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, our coaching staff's got to, uh, you know, got to go. Um, do, do, you think, again, do you think Do you think Jay is the first one to go, or do you think it's Greg Minuski? So it, I think it should be Greg Minuski. Um, so I, I think Jay Gruden is a guy who's going to be working in the NFL for a long time. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Like when he's going to work somewhere else, and I actually think he's going to be a head coach again. So this is when you have a guy make a stand. You know, a professional coaching stand. I think Bruce Allen might not be man enough to fire Greg Minuski, and he might demand that Jake Gruden do it and replace him. And Jake Gruden might say, "You know what? F you. You do it, or or I'm gone." And you, you. I mean, this this is a kind of situation that evolves from what we see right now. There's clearly once the Redskins make it known to Jake Gruden that his either him or his staff are not in the plans going forward. What it doesn't to Jay Gruden, whether he leaves in week four or five or seventeen, it, it it's all of a sudden about he's going to be viewed by his next employer and his next coaching staff. So you could see him stick up for some guys, and you could see that be the reason why he leaves. And I think that that, that Jay Gruden would be would be okay with that. Yeah, I think with any time there's an in season firing I, the sense I get is that it's kind of like raising a, a, a white flag it's like a sign of surrender um, and it's just a question I don't think we've ever really seen the Redskins be ready to surrender yield like that at least not in recent memory I mean usually when when they can guys they can them in the off season um, but we have surrendered uh, yeah they've surrendered a lot of points a, that's what they surrendered <laughs> well we had a surrender press conference in two in uh, 20. 2012? Yeah, 2012. We were 3-6. and six. We had just lost to the Carolina Panthers, driving home with DJ, Chris Johnson, from uh, uh, 980. Yeah. And we're in the car arguing, you know, because it's like uh, the Ghost, Ghostbusters 2 sledge. If you come in contact with it, it just makes everything around you totally negative, and you argue. So we're arguing. And then in the back of our minds, we hear Mike Shanahan say, it's evaluation time. We're in evaluation mode. And our argument stopped, and we're like, "Wait, what did he just say? Did, did Shanahan just say we're three and six? Great, it's week nine, and no one thinks the Redskins are worth a squirt of piss." Yeah. But, but you don't you don't say that. You don't go and that's the white flag. That's the surrender time. That's what you're gonna like just see what's that for next year. Of course, we all know what happens. We won we win seven in a row and go to the playoffs. So, um, I think that I think that the Redskins. I I agree with you, Stabby, in that. Firing coach midseason is is surrendery, um, but I wouldn't put it past a terrible team like the Redskins to, to to do something completely out of character, like they like they did that year. But by that I mean win, winning a bunch of games in a row. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, a big topic of conversation this season has been Trent Williams holdout, mm-hmm. and his ab- absence has been quite evident uh do you agree with how the redskins have handled this situation or if not i mean what 
steps do they need to make to, to resolve it? I don't agree. I don't think that the Redskins have handled this situation well at all. Um, it, it has been evident. I think so. I've dealt personally dealt with Trent Williams' business team. Let me tell you guys something very clear: they don't mess around. They're, they mean business. They're a serious bunch. He's a he's a million dollar corporation unto himself. Mm. You know that, that's what all these guys are, and he's surrounded by a team of lawyers and businessmen. And I knew right away that they were playing a very, very, uh, um, you know, cutthroat game. And once they drew the line, you know, even Joe Seisman, who's like the biggest sycophant there is, you know, even he's on national TV saying there's no way Trent comes back. Everyone knew this. And so where the Redskins totally effed up, they should have traded him. They should have traded him when when they could have. When Larry Mitunzo went for two first-rounders, I'm not saying that's what we could have gotten for Trent. I'm not even Could have gotten at least one. Healthy. Well, the the Patriots wanted to give us a first yeah. rounder. Absolutely. I mean, meanwhile, at the end of last season, I stood on a on a bench and screamed that the Redskins should trade Trent Jordan and Josh. Uh, not because I didn't like any of those players, but because I thought they still had value and this team needed draft picks. But we should have traded Trent Williams. We should have traded Trent Williams. Um, it would have hurt. It would have sucked. I don't want to see him wear a different jersey. But you can't be a good franchise without getting value for assets. You know, we're basically letting it, like, it's like letting, you know, it's like letting a coupon expire, except instead of a coupon having like one one hundredth of a penny of value, you know, he literally has like $50 million of value and we're, we're not doing anything with it. Depreciating double, asset. Double yeah. coupon night, just going to waste. Yeah, wait, and wait till freaking double coupon day. We could have really made out. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, uh, Daniel Jones is now the starter in New York, and with our O line and their diminished shape, and Keenum in a walking boot now. Um, do you think is Haskins coming up? Are we going to see Haskins coming up soon? I mean, if Colt McCoy can walk without a limp, he will start that game. I, I'm firmly convinced that the Redskins are dedicated to making Haskins the starter in the Miami game because they don't want him going against the Patriots. Sure. Uh, so I, I, I'm gonna as long as they have a, a warm body, and I mean a warm body to, that can play quarterback until Miami. I do think that's the plan. Um, you know, I guess that's the one area where we can maybe be a little bit complimentary of the Redskins organization. Um, you know, they went out and found a minimum wage quarterback in Case Keenum, who's done pretty well given the circumstances. Yeah. Three and a half million bucks, you know, for that for with the production we've gotten and. And they've been able to spare Haskins, you know, some of this nonsense. Um, I, I think, I think that is a positive for you know for Haskins, and you know, for any success he could have, you know, I, I think that they've done that the responsible way. All of us know full well that you know Snyder has got like the Commissioner Gordon phone up in his suite, and he's just dying, you know, to push that button. Um, so kudos, I guess, that they've been able to hold off this long. Yeah, you know, Ken, one of the things that we've had sort of a couple back-and-forth conversations around down in uh, this basement, a very different basement from Basement Podcast Studios, but in very many ways it's the same. It seems like if Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins plays this year, I don't, I, there's some questions, I think. Do you want to see him back there behind an offensive line that's clearly 
undermanned. And I mean, they're they're just getting their butts kicked every single week. Do you want to be able to evaluate him in that circumstance, or do you put him up on the shelf and hope that you kind of just suck the rest of the year up, give him a full season to watch and learn, and give him a fresh start in week one in the following year? Is it an admission of that surrender if you put him in? Is it a mistake to throw him out there too early? Well, you know, if, it, if it's honestly too early, then, yeah, it would be a mistake to throw out there too early. I mean, I, I think that I, I believe in playing the best guy. Okay, uh, yeah. And, and so if he's the best guy, he should be on the field. And I, I would also say that we are a bit undermanned on the offensive line, but I think we've been good enough. You know, I think Case Keenum, I, you know, I, I think Haskins could be a little bit more mobile than Keenum and might be able to, to take a hit or two better than Keenum or McCoy, so he might actually be built better, um, you know, for the kind of offense we're running physically. Um, if he if he's the best guy, he should play, you know, and if he's not the best guy, he shouldn't play. And I and I, I think it should be that simple. I, I don't think we should force him on the field to get reps um, because that you know if it goes wrong and you got to look in the mirror and say, did he really have to be out there? Um, but at the point yeah. in time, he's the best player we have. He should play. Yeah, I think I think especially after last week, everyone's very heated. Just Keenum had an off week. We can all agree to that. Um, and it, it makes it especially interesting to see Daniel Jones already starting and uh, Dwayne Haskins thriving was arguably looking good. Yeah, and so Dwayne Haskins is here. But I, I agree with you. I think it's very risky to put this kid in when we saw a little bit of him in, in the preseason, but I don't really want to see him until we have a team that can protect him. He's an yeah. asset to this team, and there's no point in risking it, especially in a season that might already be lost or heading that way. So maybe the next time the Giants come to town or we play the Giants, I'd like to see Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins, but there's no point in playing him in week four or anytime soon. Like, let's just it, let this season... And especially since Alex Smith is coming back. Right. <laughs> is he? I mean, he's 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 walking. Is that? I mean, I suppose you got to walk before oh, yeah. you can run. He's but, more uh, mobile than the running game. You, we're gonna hear this. That this is a thing. I mean, people are gonna start openly speculating whether or not Alex Smith is coming out of that you know tunnel. You know, the, the famous uh, cliche. Um, yeah, he'd be a moron if he ever suited up again for the rest of his life. He should yeah. never play football again, ever, 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 ever. But we're paying him fifty million dollars no matter what, and they haven't closed the door on Alex Smith yet and I think the per- a perfect Redskins story would be you know a guy who literally had his legs broken away from his body uh, come back and play like super mediocre ball for us <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be a very that would be peak Redskins that's true right Redskins so, yeah, passion yeah check down yeah. <laughs> check down yeah yeah more accurately a check down um yeah, so I guess uh, you know we'll, we'll round things out here. What are your what are your expectations for the rest of the year? I mean, things it's again like it's so it feels so odd to be having this conversation just three weeks in, but you look ahead. We got the Giants. I don't want to say that's a make or break game, but when you're zero and four, that becomes a real challenge. And the Patriots after that, we don't have to get into it. You look at the schedule; it's it's not terribly favorable for them, and. I don't want to say it doesn't look like this team has quit by any stretch, but at the same time, you know, what is a reasonable expectation for the rest of the way? 
So I, I can honestly say, and this is honest, uh, everything I've said before obviously is very honest, of course, but this is really honest. And that I think it's that, you know, there's different levels of, of suck, different degrees of, of terrible. And if you watched, like, uh, in the first two weeks, I've had a chance to sit here, you know, Brian, you know my setup. I got the double do. screen, yep. the, the red zone. I can zip around to, to other games on the other TV. I've watched. Just about all the football there is to watch, uh, almost. Maybe not every play by the Miami Dolphins, for example. But the Redskins aren't the worst team in the league. Um, but, you know, the Miami Dolphins are really the worst team in the league. They've earned it. Um, and and I, if you're really paying attention, the New York Giants are not a good football team. And they haven't been a good fo- football team for a while. And people don't even re- realize this. If I were to ask you guys, over the last two seasons – 2017 and 2018 seasons, who has a better record between the New York Giants and the Cleveland Browns, who were winless in 2017? Yeah. The Cleveland Browns have a better record in the last two seasons than the New York Giants. The New York Giants mm. are terrible. Yeah. They, they just lost Saquon Barkley. They just started a, a, a rookie, when did say freshman, a rookie quarterback. Um, they are not good. Now, can they beat us? Oh, hell yeah, they can beat us. But... But I, but I, it's going to be a game, you know. And and coming out of that game, you know, we have a chance to win two out of three, you know, between the Giants and the Dolphins, you know, sandwiched around a Patriots. Wait, what? What about the Patriots? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Skip them. Yeah, I mean that. I tell you, I'll be honest with you. We're going to have a whole different conversation if the Redskins <laughs> beat the Patriots. Um, but but so so realistic expectations, Stabby. You know, what once was a possible. You know, seven or eight win team. You know, not a good seven or eight win team, but just a seven or eight win team that just figured out a way to do it because their defense was halfway decent. And Case Keenum had a better year than everyone thought he would. Instead of that, you know, I think I think we are staring down the barrel of like a a three to five win season. I mean, I think that's totally totally possible. Um, I'll, I'll, I will. I've gotten very very good at forgetting these kinds of seasons, cause, and we've had them. Yeah. You know, we, we've had to, we've had that four and twelve, five and eleven, three and thirteen years. You know, and um, you know it sucks because we're not the team that had st- that that many bad years, and we use those bad years to regroup into a team like Cleveland, who has who people seem to be, to be high on, or even the LA Rams or the Kansas City Chiefs, or you know some of these other teams that were mediocre for years. Uh, you know, Kansas City. You know, hadn't won a playoff game for like, or a home playoff game for like nine straight times. It was some, or it was some crazy streak. Uh, you know, other teams have been mediocre for a long time, but they used those those years to to gain talent around the edges uh, of, of the roster, and then you know, and draft well, and, you know, for the meat and potatoes, uh, and then you get then you get your guy, you know, whatever that guy is, a Todd Gurley or a Pat Mahomes or a Saquon Barkley, and then that guy is a, is a missing piece. And so the Redskins aren't one missing piece away, unfortunately. And I don't think finishing three and thirteen is, is going to net us, you know, that piece. So, you know, realistically, you know, I think I think we're, you know, going to be once again crashing through another subfloor or two. Um, you know, joining of like an entirely different, you know, therapy group, you know, for Rock Bottoms Anonymous and. <laughs> You know, really kind of power driving through 
some so you know totally a total organizational overhaul. Now whether probably won't include Dan Snyder, but we are looking at the end of the Bruce Allen era. We are looking at the end of Jay Gruden era. We are looking at no more Greg Minuski. We are looking at a rookie quarterback. You know, we are looking at our best player for the last ten years or seven or eight years, and Trent Williams gone. Um, so it's a huge pivotal moment for the Washington Redskins franchise and and I just want to make you know I want to be realistic with myself more than anyone that that it's not going to be fixed right away um, but the chance does exist for it to be fixed and, you know and so I think we're we could possibly be lucky if the Redskins do something smart like you know hire a Lewis Riddick to come in here and revamp things and, and get be in charge of stuff and, and you start to have good minds on the sidelines and positive um, influences on young players it's possible. It's totally possible. Um, but you know that we're on the front side of that. You know, and that that's tough. Well, we appreciate the honesty. I mean, the expectation setting is important. Uh, I think there are no delusions of grandeur around this franchise, around this basement, around your basement. Um, but we, you know, we just keep it real. We're going to impeach the hell out of Dan Snyder. Yeah. We're going to impeach Dan <laughs> Snyder. Yeah. Well, Ken. Uh, again, we appreciate you coming in. Uh, give us a, a plug. plug. Plug all. Plug all of your your many many endeavors. This. Let me hold on. Let me let me a quick aside to everyone listening. Ken Marangolo is a straight hustler. This is a man yeah. who goes out and he hustles. He does his thing. He finds his niche. Um, he attacks it and he he makes the most out of it. So give us a, a little plug. What's uh, what's coming up for you? All right. So uh, the Nets. You know, my net, my Washington Nets, Nationals, I, we've been on a hiatus on the net shift, uh, but that's going to, we'll be um, in full gear on, on our net shift podcast. Obviously, our high school, our high school coverage, you know, you were the exclusive partner for the WCAC, the Washington Catholic Athletic Conference. We will begin, we've already uh, broadcast a couple games, uh, but we will be back in the business of broadcasting uh, one game of the week starting October 12th at awesome. my alma mater, Bishop McNamara against St. John's all the way through the championship uh, in November, and then we'll just transition right away. Uh, we'll be doing uh, high school girls basketball, high school boys basketball um, in the WCAC and in the local area, all the way through February, March uh, for the tournaments, and then we will get into baseball and lacrosse. Oh, and, and we'll be doing soccer, field hockey, volleyball, uh, baseball, ice hockey, Brian, this is going to be a big year, First Amendment Sports Broadcasting Group. we got a lot of coming down pike. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Uh, the schools are, are awesome to cover. It's, it's a lot of work, you know, a lot of hours, but it, it's, it's fun. And, um, you know, and we always have a place for folks like yourselves who are, who are hustlers in your own right. Well, we do a lot of sitting on our butts. I don't know if you can call that hustling, but uh, we'll take the compliment, I think. Uh, A lot of hours wasted. (laughs) 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 Uh, So for B. Droomba, for Nebot Neal, for Dr. Chris Jones, for the amazing Ken Marangolo, thank you again for tuning in. Brian from Hogshaven, this was Hogs Night, a podcast.